Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. So good. Last week we started a new series called Start Fresh. Someone say it with me today. Start Fresh. And I don't know about you, I mentioned it already, but I'd like a start fresh this year. I'd like something new to happen in my life this year, given everything that happened last year. And we talked about how we all probably have similar goals for 2021. Like if I was to sit you down and ask you, what, you know, what would you like to see happen in your life this year? I, I reckon we'd all pretty much say the same sort of thing. We'd say things like, uh, I want to be healthier. I want to be more financially secure. I want my relationships to be great. I want to encounter God. I want to um, you know, have these kinds of things to make a difference. We would probably all say something along those lines, yeah? Yeah, something along those lines. The, the interesting thing is that while we all might have the, the same goals that we want to see, what we'll find, we'll have different results in every one of our lives. And why is that? The reason is because last week I said goals don't determine success systems determine success. McDonald's isn't the most successful burger chain in the world because they one day said we're going to be the most successful burger chain in the world. No, they're the most successful burger chain in the world because they had the best systems in the world. If anyone's ever worked at McDonald's, you'll know that. I worked at McDonald's when I was younger and they have systems for everything. They have the best systems in the world. They focused on the systems and the results came and it's the same for us. So this year, I've set a goal, and I'm being accountable to the church today. I've set a goal that I would be fitter this year, have a healthier 2021. You know, I got sick of when I'm running around with my four-year-old getting puffed after, you know, five seconds and walking upstairs and feeling like, how long are these stairs going to go for? And just want to be healthier, have more energy, run and do those types of things. So because of that, how am I going to achieve that? Well, I've put a system in place because sometimes we, don't, we, want, we know the result we want, but we don't know how to get there. The way we're going to get there is a system. And so I'm going to do these things. I'm going to exercise. Ugh, that's a bad word. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to look at my nutrition and diet. That's another bad word. I'm going to get more sleep. I like that one, more sleep. I like that one. Anyone like that? More sleep. Going to get some more sleep and I'm going to get health checkups. Go to my doctor, get a checkup, see what he says about stuff like that. And so far, I'm on track with my exercise. This week, I ran twice. We're not going to talk about how far. We're not going to talk about for how long, but I ran twice. You can follow me on Strava. My name is Bronson Blackmore. Follow me on Strava. Keep me accountable, and I'm going to see the results that I want. We also looked at last week, put aside your do goals and start with who goals. When people think about you, who do they want when they think about you? When they think about you, what do they say about you? Great dad, loving husband, worked hard to provide, man of God. Or, or do they see something else? Critical dad, distant husband, you know, dodged responsibilities, lived for his own selfish desires. See, when you know who you are, you know what to do. The do flows out of the who. The do flows out of the who because you know who you are. So determine who you want to be in life. And from that, you'll know the actions you need to take in life. You want to be a good husband or you need to do good things towards your wife. That's the actions you need to take. 
If you want to be, you know, do so do those things. Put another way, identity shapes actions. So the question for us today is, what's your identity? Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, what's your identity? And I'm not talking about, you know, pulling out your driver's license and saying, this is my identity, I, I live at this address. What's your identity? You, where do you see your worth? Where, where you know, your, your purpose and value in life, where do you see it? Is What's your identity? Where's it found? Who's it found in? This will shape your life and your actions. Last week, we briefly mentioned Daniel from the Old Testament. Does anyone know Daniel? We know the story of Daniel. If you don't know the name Daniel, you've probably heard of the, the phrase we use, Daniel and the lion's den. Has anyone heard that? That's a, that amazing story of how Daniel was, cast, was chucked into this pit of lions, and he was left there overnight, and they came back the next day, and he was still alive. I mean, that's an amazing story. Oh, someone doesn't, there's some people here who think that's not an amazing story because you didn't say yes. That's an amazing story, isn't it? Like, imagine if you were chucked into a, a, a pit full of lions. We were watching this TV show last night called The Serengeti, and there was these lions, and they don't muck around. Like, they, like they get into it. They, they, they attack, and they make things die. And, but he was thrown into the lion's den, and he came out the next morning. It's amazing. It's crazy. But what I think is equally impressive, and we perhaps overlook this, is the fact that the Bible mentions that there were men who were being trained to be future leaders and administrators of the kingdom of Babylon. And the Bible says that Daniel stood out amongst all of them. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. And if you don't, it will be on the screen behind me. It says this, Now Daniel so distinguished himself amongst the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. The whole kingdom. Here's Daniel. There's something exceptional about his life. And because of that, he has found favor with the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. And he is going to be made uh, the leader over the kingdom. I wonder what it was that distinguished Daniel from everyone else. Like what might have it been? And, and you know, we probably say things like gift of leadership. You know, he had just a way to lead people. Maybe there was a spirit of excellence. Everything he did was with an excellent spirit, and he did very well. Maybe it was a, he had problems, and he could solve them in an amazing way. What was it that Daniel had that set him apart from others? We'll look at that very shortly. But it seems like in Babylon, they had the same issue that we have here in Australia today, and it's called tall poppy syndrome. Has anyone heard of that saying before, tall poppy syndrome? If you don't know what that is, that's where someone does well in life. It's usually about business, but it can be anything. Someone's doing really well in life. They're kind of like rising up above the average. You know, their poppy is a little bit taller than everyone else's poppy. And what happens? The rest of everyone has to come down, try to find something bad in their life, try to look at something in their past, try to do something, to, a flaw in their character to bring them down and to cut the, poor poppy, the tall poppy down to the same height as everyone else. And that's exactly what happened to Daniel, we see in verse 4. It says this, At this the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his country. They were unable to do so. They looked, they searched, but they couldn't find anything bad to say about Daniel. Pause for a minute. 
I wonder what would happen if someone looked in my life to try to find flaws. I wonder what they would find. I wonder what they would find in your character today if they were to look. See, they wanted to cut this tall top, uh, poppy uh, down, but they couldn't find anything bad in Daniel's life because they wanted him to lose favor with the king. It's like, I don't, we don't want Daniel to be up there. We want to be up there, so let's cut him down. And the only thing they could find was that Daniel loved God wholeheartedly, mind with all his might, and he lived his life in a way that honored God and honored God's commands. So what they did was they tricked the king to issue a decree, a royal decree saying that for the next 30 days, from a certain date, for the next 30 days, no one could pray to any God or any except for the king. You can only pray and worship the king for the next 30 days. And the punishment for not doing that is that you would be thrown into this den of lions and you would end up as lion food. It says that Daniel stood out. Daniel stood out. Out of 120 leaders, he rose to the top. He stood out. What was it that made him who he was? I would say, and we could say that there was a system or a habit that he put in place that over time shaped his identity. Verse 10. This is after the decree has been issued. Now when Daniel learned that the decree, the decree had been published. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Did you see that? Three times a day, he prayed and prayed to God, giving thanks just as he had done before. You know, this passage tells me that Daniel's prayer life wasn't dependent on a circumstance or a situation. When he prayed to God, it wasn't dependent on how he felt that day, whether he was feeling spiritual or not. This, this passage tells me that Daniel didn't pray when it was convenient or when it was easy, when it fit into his calendar. Instead, it says that Daniel prayed three times a day, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. See, every single day he sought God. He listened for God's voice. He, he came before God with his supplications and his, his concerns, and he laid them at the feet of God. He, he worshipped God. He, follows, he followed God's commands. He spent time daily with God. And this was a habit, a system that Daniel had one small discipline, a discipline that he had in his life to pray to God. Never underestimate how God can start something big through one small habit. One small habit. That's all it takes. And you know, oftentimes as we start a new year, as we start fresh, we get out our list of things that we want to see happen this year. And we, we, we go down the list and we got five, six, ten things that we want to get done this year. But I would suggest maybe, maybe just one. Can people say it with me? One. Say it again. One. Maybe just one thing this year, one small habit, one good habit consistently over this year and then next year. And then you continue it the year after. The year after one small habit started this year could have a huge impact on your life. 
See, alone, a single new habit probably won't change much. But if every year you decide at the start of the year, this is the one small thing I want to start this year. The one small thing that I one small thing I'm going to do in my marriage this year. This is the one small thing I'm going to do as a parent this year, as a student this year, uh, whatever it might be, as a as a business owner. This is one small thing that I'm going to do for whatever it might do. One thing over many years. But if you were to do one small thing every year, what might be the outcome after five years? That's five things. What might be the outcome after 10 years? That's 10 things. After 20 years, that's 20 new habits you've introduced in your life for good, for change, to make you better, to make you more connected to God. That will have a profound effect on your life. As I was looking at at habits and and change and, and goals, I read about something called a keystone habit. A keystone habit. And what that is, is a keystone habit is a habit that propels you on to other helpful, good habits in your life. So did you hear that? One habit that you do that actually propels you on to do other good, helpful habits. Say that Daniel's habit of praying three times a year was a key, three times a year, (laughs) three times a day. We've got to pray more than three times a year. Come on. Three times a day was a keystone habit. It was a habit that helped bring other good, helpful, God-honoring habits into his life. And so today, uh, we, 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 we talked earlier about focusing on the do this year, but instead we want to focus on the who. So instead of having our to-do list, we're going to have a who list. Who am I going to be this year? Am I going to be a man of God? Am I going to be a good husband? And am I, am I going to be a, 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 I don't know, risk-taking business owner? Am I going to be financially free, generous, a bold witness for Jesus? Am I going to be healthy this year? Who am I going to be this year? Today we're going to expand on the who uh, you want to become thought. So this is my thought for today. Based on who you want to become, what one habit do you need to start? What is one habit that you need to start. And so what's a discipline you can start that will move you in that direction? Who, who I want to be at the end of this year, what's a habit I can do that will start to move me in that direction? And like I've already said, I'd suggest that it doesn't have to be something big. It can in fact be something small. And I actually think it's better if it's something small. You're more likely to get something small achieved and done than you are to have some fancy goal. So, you know, if I want to be someone who cares you know, write one note of appreciation a week to someone. If you want to be someone who cares, if, if I want to be a person that's organized, you know, one small thing is maybe make your bed first thing in the morning. Make your bed first thing in the morning. Didn't get a lot of amens to that one. If you want to be organized. If I want to be a godly example to my teenager, maybe read the Bible with your teenager. You know, something small, something easy. If I, if I want to be a person that's focused, start the day with a to-do list of three priorities for the day. If I want to be a person who's healthier, eliminate soft drinks. You know, what new system do you need to take calm? And today you might be sitting and you're going, systems and all this talk. I, I don't know what systems are. I don't, I don't like systems. I don't do systems. Can I just stop for a minute and say, tell you that we all have systems. Systems are just ways that we do things. It's just a process that you follow to do things. It's a consistent method of doing something to accomplish a task. We all have systems. Like, for instance, you have a system for how you get up and get ready for church 
on a Sunday or going to work on a Monday. You've got a system. You get up, maybe you go to the toilet, brush your teeth, uh, comb your hair, do your makeup. Two hours later, you then move on to breakfast. <laughs> Not a lot of jokes there. That was for the guys. I was talking about the guys there. Not the women. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, blow drying their hair. Maybe you get some social media, drive, to drive, capture public transport. You've got a system. You do it the same way every day, pretty much. That's a system. Maybe another way is the way you approach tasks or how you do work. You've got a system for how you do it. And that system is either like uh, uh, as tasks come in, you just do it straight away, or you prioritize tasks. That system is that you find that you're better at, at work, so you do it harder in the morning. That's the system that you have. You might find that you, you, know, that you, that you prioritize tasks, you have a to-do list. Whatever it is, you have systems. See, we either have systems by intent or by default. What I'm encouraging us is to have systems by intent. A lot of the systems in our life are just by default. This is just the way I do things. This is just the way that I've slipped into doing my life. But we want to have systems by intent. How do we start a new habit today? If you take your notes, write this down. Number one, make it obvious. Make it obvious. If you want to change what you do, change what you see. So number one, make it obvious. So let's just say you said that... um, I want to be, I want to start taking my daily vitamins, which the doctor has given me. So here's what I want to suggest you you do. Make it obvious. Instead of keeping your pills, your vitamins in the cupboard, maybe take them out of the cupboard and put them down on the bench next to the coffee machine. So in the morning, when you get up, you see them straight away. This is a technique. I emphasize the word try. Try to do. But what I find happens is the, some, some, something that happens in the night and the pills are transformed back, are transferred back into the cupboard. I don't know what it is. Like I put the pills there on the, on the bench and then in the morning they're back in the cupboard. I don't know how that happens. You know, maybe, maybe we should look in the front row. There might be some, some people there who do that. If you want to read a book before you go to bed each night, instead of putting the book you know, back into the side drawer at the, at, at the end of the night, maybe put it on top of your side table so that when you come home from work or, you know, you go to bed, you can see the book sitting there on your side table. You know, make it obvious. Change what you, if you want to change what you do, change what you see. If you want to write a note daily, don't leave the cards in your office drawer. At the end of the day, put those cards right on top of your keyboard so that when you come in in the morning, you see the cards there, and you're like, oh, that's right. I've got to write a note of appreciation to someone today. Make it obvious. <laughs> Everyone's staring at me like, well, bro, this is like real simple. Doing it. It's so simple, but we're not doing it. Make it obvious so you can see it. Informing habits, they call this the cue. A cue is something that triggers you to do something. So when I see the pills, I take the pills. When I see the, the note, make it obvious. Number two, make it easy. Make it easy. I'm going to start running marathons this year. Okay, okay, okay. That's, that's great. Maybe make it easy and say, you know what? I'm going to start walking twice a week. Make it easy. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to start. I've never, read, I've never read my Bible except on Sundays at church, following what the preacher says. But this year I'm going to read my Bible. In, I'm, going to, I'm going to do the one year. I uh, read my Bible in a year plan, and I'm going to do it. And you know what? That is awesome. I love that. But can I suggest something simple? Start with one verse a day. I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. every morning. I'm going to get stuff done. You know what? That's great. That's amazing. But maybe just say something like this. You know what? When the alarm goes off, instead of hitting the snooze button, something simple. Or, or I don't pray regularly. 
very often, but this year I'm going to pray 30 minutes every day. Every minute, every day I'm going to pray 30 minutes. I'm like, awesome. I love the fact that you want to pray. But can I suggest maybe start small and say, I'm going to pray one minute every day as soon as I and let it grow from there. See, you start walking twice a week, and then what you find is that over, over a period of time is that you can now walk four times a week, and then you're starting to maybe run, and then you're running 10 kilometers. Guess what? You're getting closer to that goal of running the marathon. One verse a day of reading the Bible becomes a couple of verses a day, becomes a chapter a day. You're getting closer to reading that Bible through in one year. Not kidding, the snooze button develops discipline in your life. Before you know it, you can set the alarm earlier and earlier each day. And then before you know it, you're getting up at an ungodly hour of 5 a.m. and you've achieved your goal to get up earlier. Pray comes five minutes over time. Start small and let it grow from there. It becomes 30 minutes of prayer a day. See, start small and see what happens. You're building a system, a new habit in your life. If the kids could come, that would be great. Try this. Write this down. I will do X after I do Y. I think it's on the screen behind me. I will do this after I do that. So name your cue and then your action. See, Daniel would have said this. After I wash my face, I will pray. Then he would have said, after I eat lunch, I will pray. Then he would have said, after I get home from work, I will pray. See, here's how, how I start my day. After I get up, uh, I go to the toilet. Sorry about that, guys. That's just the natural thing we all do. After I do that, I wash my face, I brush my teeth, I do my hair. After I've done my hair, I wash my hands with soap again because then I'm going to go and put my still struggling with, but I'm getting used to it. After I've put my contact lens in, I go read my Bible because before then I can't read anything. After I've read my Bible, I then pray. Then after I pray, I start my day. So I will do this. After that, I will do that. So I will do X and after that, I will do Y. What's yours? What's yours? After I drink my morning coffee, I will read a Bible verse. Or after I put my kids to bed at night, I will do 10 push-ups. Or after I get my car keys to go to work, I will kiss my spouse goodbye. You know, after something, I will do this. After I leave church, I'm going to get onto social media and post how amazing my pastor is. Like, like, uh, uh, did I, who wrote that one? I didn't, didn't know about that one. See, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Consistently what other people do occasionally. Every day, get my keys for the car. Go to my spouse, give them a kiss. Every day, do it consistently. What you'll find out, it's going to get stronger. It's going to grow. Trust me. Do it. I know it's going to get better. Uh, you know, after I have my morning coffee, I'm going to read one Bible verse. You read a Bible verse, you do it the next day. The next day, the next day, before you know it, when I'm talking about Bible stories up here or I'm mentioning Bible verses, you know the Bible verses. You know the Bible stories before I even mention them. You, you can even, ever sitting in church and say, I bet you he's going to share this Bible verse now. I bet you he's going to talk about this, this Bible story. No one? Just me? Maybe that's the preacher mind, always trying to like think of things. But you know, you know the Bible. You know, you, you go for a walk or whatever it is, something consistently over time. We all have similar goals, but varied results. 
We don't have goal problems, we have system problems. But here's, here's one thing about goals. So many of our goals, uh, many of our goals are so goals. They're like so goals. They're, they're, they're goals that are, that are like the future. So it's like, I want to get good grades so I can go to a good university. And I want to go to a good university so I can get a good job. Come on, anyone relate to this? The goal is for something else. I want to. I want to get a good job because then I can ask her out, and then after I want, I want to ask her out because one day I want to get married to her, and then one day we're going to get married so we can have a nice family and a, a nice house. And our goals are always about the future. Has anyone found that goals are always about tomorrow, or next week, or the end of the year, or two years from now? Our goals are so goals, and it's something we're chasing out there, something we hope will happen in the distant future. And it can be a, a treadmill of going on this, this gold treadmill of something out in the future. And it feels like we never get there. There's no feeling of success or contentment or satisfaction in our lives. There's no feeling that we're getting there or that we're making it because life is all about the future. But what if, what if we had a who goal not a, not, a, not a who goal or a so goal. Sorry, not what or so goals, what I'm becoming, where I'm becoming, but instead who goals, who I'm becoming. Who I'm becoming. And when I look at the Bible, when I open up the, the, scripture, the Scripture, when I look at the passages in the Bible, when I look at who I would like to become like in the Bible, who, who, a Bible character, someone in there who speaks to my life, who the life that he lived, the example he lived, the way that he communed with God, the way he communed with people. When I look at the Bible, the only who that I can see that matters is to become a who more like Jesus Christ. He's the only who I see in the Bible that really matters to become more like Christ. What did the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, you are to imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Paul says, imitate Christ. Today, I want to encourage you, types of who's that you want to have in life. And, and, and that's great. That's fantastic. But I would say the greatest who that we could become like is to become like Jesus Christ. And if that becomes something true in your life, then you'll see that success is not something you're chasing out in the future. Success is not something you're chasing out, which is weeks, months, years, decades ahead of you. Success is not something out there, but success is something that can happen in your life today. Because there is contentment, I want to tell you, church, that you can find today in Jesus Christ. There is a satisfaction that you can find in who you become when you become like Jesus Christ. You see, today I was successful because I honored God in the way I lived life. See, today I found contentment because I sought God. God, I read my Bible. I prayed with my family and I found satisfaction. See, today I was obedient to God. When, the, when there was a young man who was in that service station who I could just give him obedient to the Holy Spirit, I prayed for him. In that moment, I was successful for that day. Why? 
not because I had plans about being a better husband, which is great, or a better dad, which is great, but because I want to be like Jesus Christ. And I tell you something, Jesus Christ prayed for people. Jesus Christ took opportunities to speak in people's lives. He loved people. He was a shoulder to cry on. He was an encourager. He was someone who challenged the, uh, the, uh, the religious leaders. He was someone who loved the people who were downtrodden. My prayer for you today, based on who God wants you to become, what small, one small habit will you start today? It doesn't have to be big. Make it obvious. Make it small. Zechariah 4.10. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work. What? The work begin. The work begin. There's some people here today, and you're, you're in a, a season of your life, and you feel like you're in a season of small beginnings. And you look around you, and you look at, other stances and situations, you say, man, I wish I was there. And you're kind of in a way thinking, you're kind of in a way dishonoring where you are at the moment. But God says, don't despise these small beginnings. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. It's a small habit, just start it. To become like Jesus Christ, just start it. Make the decision today, Jesus, I want to be more like you. Don't fall into the trap that says you're successful when you get more. You're successful when you're faithful to God today. Who are we becoming like? We are becoming more like Christ. Let's pray this morning. Come on, bow your heads. Let me pray. Lord Jesus.